This is An American Workplace, a podcast dedicated to rewatching and discussing NBC's beloved mockumentary series, The Office. My name is Katie White, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Chad Hopkins. Happy New Year, Chad. How's it been treating you? It's been treating me okay so far. I preferred the first uh, six days where I was not at work. (laughs) And I was instead yeah. sleeping a whole bunch. <laughs> but uh, work this week has been okay, if not exhausting, but yeah. okay nonetheless. How about with you? Things have been good. Um, busy, really busy. Like, I yeah. don't know what's going on, but 2019 is the year that I'm full of mundane um, adult busy work, like being on phone with health insurance for two hours and Oof. really thrilling stuff like that. Um Every day. It's just the weirdest thing. So 2019 is uh, is the year I officially become mundane, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, well, we have been absent for a little while. Not like hugely absent, but this is our first time recording in almost a month because we got ahead of schedule so that we could not have to record during the actual holidays. Uh, so we're sort of stepping back into things and yeah. getting motivated into getting the, the, the gears turning again which is a great thing. Uh, We've got several people to thank. Uh, We've got Facebook recommendations recently from Tyler, Trevor, Sapphire, and Meg. Thank you all for recommending or rating us on Facebook. We certainly appreciate that. We also have emails from Greg, Jesus, and Adam. Uh, Really lovely to hear from you all. Uh, Mostly, I think, return... um, Repeat offenders to the email. (laughs) We got some... some, uh, hellos again from our friends. So thank you all for reaching out. Nice to hear from you. And now special announcement. This is something that I've wanted to do for a while and now we finally got it. We have a phone number for the podcast and I I teased it on social media today uh, before we're recording and we got a few calls. Uh, But I want to be clear, this isn't an opportunity for everybody to like call and talk to us. It's not like our actual phone number. It is as much fun as that would be. We yeah, do have work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, what it is meant to be is a system for you to leave us a voice message and then potentially be heard on the podcast. So you can call with discussion ideas, questions about the office or upcoming episodes or the podcast itself, or even questions about us. Uh, we can't guarantee that we'll play every voicemail on the show but we will play some of them. We will listen to every one of them. And if you are interested in that, you can uh, call the number, which I will tell you in just a moment. And I'm really excited about the number. Uh, Your best chance is if you keep the, the, the message short and specific. Okay. So like less than 60 seconds so that it's not long. We, we appreciate the good thoughts, but Really, if you just get to the point as much as possible, that's your best bet for getting played on the podcast, if you so desire. If you don't want to be played on the podcast in a voicemail, but you still want to leave us a message, do that too. Just let us know in the voicemail that you don't want it to be played. Uh, But the number for that is 93-PRETZ-DAY. That is (laughs) 93-P-R-E-T-Z-D-A-Y. And you can look at the, the dial on your phone for what those specific numbers are. Uh, I'm very excited that I snagged that number, Katie. <laughs> Every day here at American Rick Place is pretzel day. It is pretzel day. <laughs> so hopefully that is something that is exciting to everybody. We'd love to hear from people who maybe don't follow us on social media. And this 
podcast each week is your only interaction with us so far. Now you have another way to get in contact with us and to potentially hear yourself and be a part of the show. And we do have other things sort of in the work to include even further audience participation as we go further into 2019. So look forward to that. And with that, let's move into our episode discussion. Episode one today is Woof.com. It aired November 18th, 2010, directed by Danny Liner. Liner? Liner? I don't know. New face. <laughs> Liner, I'm going to say. Written by Aaron Shore. Ryan has started the company Woof, a communication service with several investors in the office, Michael having the bulk of the shares. When everyone learns that Woof only has nine more days before they run out of money, they plead for Ryan to accept the offer to sell the company and get their money back, but both Ryan and especially Michael refuse to sell. Meanwhile, Dwight sets up Hey Place in the parking lot, and Jim learns of a new commission cap on sales. So those are additional talking points once we get through the bulk of this discussion, which does focus on woof.com, which is the most obnoxious thing to type in my notes over and over and over again. It is. Um, and it's very aggressive. It's all capitalized. Um, it's a very in-your-face name. Um, it's barking at you, literally. Um, but that's Ryan. As we've said, we've we've seen different faces of Ryan. We've seen, you know, cool guy, kind of fratty business school Ryan. We've seen corporate Ryan. We've seen hipster Ryan. Now we've sort of got entrepreneurial Ryan. Um, mm. It reminds me of, like, different barbies you've got like business barbie <laughs> this is <laughs> this is entrepreneurial barbie here um he is all about this internet social media phone text business so what it is is basically um if you reach out to somebody on woof it sends you a text message a call a fax a, it facebook you, twitter fact, facebook yeah, yeah on, on every place that you have contact it will ding you there it sounds real obnoxious it sounds real <laughs> obnoxious like as if clearing out your notifications today is not hard enough now you have to do it you know seven times for, for one text so and especially because even in 2010 when this episode released we had iphones and other smartphones you receive all those things on one device nowadays anyways so you're literally right. just getting seven notifications at once on your device <laughs> saying the same thing it's it, like oscar has a good point it works as a notif or an emergency notification service but mm -hmm. for like common communication it's a little bit much yeah um so ryan we we start out with ryan in michael's office they're discussing the company and ryan um says he's already had an offer to buy the company he is very proud of that i mean which as a standalone statement sounds really impressive he is trying to kind of capitalize on his coworkers and his friends and he's definitely at this time taking advantage of michael and michael's um, interest in ryan and therefore the interest in the company right now michael is really the only person who's super invested in this besides ryan and when i say invested i mean uh emotionally and monetarily as well right literally invested yeah uh, it, we've never seen ryan so buddy buddy or even just this nice to michael uh, as he is here, it's it's so clear that he's manipulating Michael to get what he wants, even if we don't know at first that Ryan is to is doomed to fail. We don't sort of get that revelation until about halfway through the episode. Um, but, you know, even aside from manipulating Michael for his money, 
He's also manipulating him to get away with working on Wolf at work instead of working on actual work at work. He's like, hey, you want to be included in talking to the rest of the office about investing? Is that okay? And there are different points in the episode where he's like, hey, do you mind if I work on Wolf? Also, you can be included in this if I can work on Wolf. And so we'll work on Wolf together while not doing our actual work at work. So it's, it's just lots of different ways and levels of manipulation happening with Ryan now. I, I admire that Ryan is so passionate about something. It's, we've certainly never seen him this passionate about Dunder Mifflin. Uh, but we see how rocky his business school background actually is because it's only nine days that they have until bankruptcy. He's clearly not very money-minded in the way he needs to be. He's just not good at business. And so he's been focusing on the marketing, but it's bad marketing. We see bumper stickers, but they're only on his car and Michael's car. And they have these like bright pink shirts and they have condoms with wolf.com on it. Like, how is that a viable marketing strategy? Who are you trying to appeal to? It just doesn't work. So where is the actual business happening is a question that everybody has because Ryan is clearly not doing a very good job at that part of it. I'm glad you mentioned the working on Woof at Dunder Mifflin because I had this quote here. Um, when he's in Michael's office, he says, new investors are key. That's actually why I came in today. Michael <laughs> says, don't you work here full time? <laughs> like, you're... No, you have to be here anyway. Like, this is not your main job. And right now, I mean, as we learn halfway through the episode, it's, he's not exactly making any money on it. Um, this is not his income. <laughs> so he needs to be focusing on work at work. And he's not doing that today. In fact, he holds a potential investors meeting um, in the conference room with the office. Um, and most everyone is super disinterested. Michael is more bought into the idea than everybody. We do have a few surprise investors, I think. Uh, there's Pam. Also, Stanley, which I think is probably the biggest surprise, and Daryl, and Andy mm -hmm. joins in eventually as well. Uh, so these people are all invested, but when they find out about the bankruptcy, they are all pretty quick to jump ship, except for Michael. And he's more bought into Ryan's idea than Ryan is himself. Like I mentioned the, the bumper stickers on the car. Ryan has one bumper sticker on his car. Michael has the entire back bumper of his car plastered in wolf bumper stickers. Uh, he continues to give Ryan unearned faith as he's leading everyone into bankruptcy and wasted money. Uh, Ryan even tells us that Michael has the majority of shares in the company, even over Ryan himself, uh, which just shows that he's eking out Michael's money more than his own. Michael has faith in Ryan. He refuses to sell. and. Uh, Ryan is definitely taking advantage of that. And Pam finally drops uh, some unwanted truth on Michael. That has been a long time coming. Yeah, she approaches Michael in the break room and she tells him that even though this idea that Michael has of Ryan being his best friend and being his mentor, uh, Pam believes that that feeling really only goes one way and that Ryan knows that and is taking advantage of that. And it appears that Michael agrees. Because he goes and tests Ryan privately. He asks Ryan if he thinks that Michael should take out a second mortgage on his home. And Ryan says, yeah, that's a good idea. People are doing that. And there don't appear to be any consequences. <laughs> um, <laughs> hugely mm. terrible advice. That's when Michael knows that Pam was right about Ryan. Um, and Michael has a huge moment here about Ryan in front of Ryan. He says, 
I'm not blind. I know exactly who he is. He's selfish. He's not talking to Ryan. He's just saying this in front of him. I know exactly who he is. He's selfish and lazy and image-obsessed, and he's a bad friend. He's also clever. He shoots incredibly high, and he may just make it. But you know what? Even if he doesn't, I would rather go broke betting on my people than get rich all by myself on some island like a castaway. There is no middle ground. (laughs) So he, yeah, I mean, he said it all. He would rather go broke betting on his friends, on his people. Um, which says just so much about who he is and what the office means to him. And even Ryan, who he admits in front of Ryan, is a bad friend. He would rather invest. Yeah, if anybody was looking at my Twitter over the past day, I, I tweeted when I was doing my prep uh, that I, this makes me emotional. This is Michael showing his heart of gold that we know he has. Yes, he has terrible moments, but time and time and time again, he puts faith in people who don't deserve faith. He puts trust in people who don't deserve trust. I was both talking about Ryan on both of those counts just then. Uh, but that that's so admirable of Michael. He knows that putting his faith in Ryan is probably not the right call right now if he wants to keep his money. But because Ryan is his guy and his employee and, as he views it, his friend, he's going to put his trust in him anyways. And he tells Ryan that. He says, I'm going to believe in you despite everything else, despite what you've shown us. And you have nine days to get everybody's money back. I trust you. I think you can do it. And so the episode ends with Michael's talking head. He says, you know, the world sends people your way. And I love this monologue, by the way. Ryan came to me through a temp agency. Andy was transferred here. No idea where Creed came from. (laughs) The point is, you just have to play with the cards you're dealt. And we see a sort of quick montage of people. He says, Jim, that guy is an ace. Dwight is my king up my sleeve. Phyllis is my old maid. So we're mixing cards here. (laughs) Uh, Oscar is my queen. That's easy. (laughs) And Pam's a solid seven. And you know what? Ryan is probably like a two. But sometimes twos can be wild, so watch out. And he says, I'm obviously the Joker. But at that point, he gets a woof from Ryan saying, I decided to sell the company. It's been a wild ride. Thanks for the support. And you see Michael's sigh of relief, but that that is just all the more confirming of how special it is that Michael trusted Ryan to do the right thing with their money despite the, all the reasons not to. Mm-hmm. Also, a couple of interesting bits here. Kelly, um, in the middle of this potential investors meeting, comes in and tells everyone that it that Woof was her idea. Um, she said to Ryan, I tried to call you. You don't have your phone. I, I am you. You're not online. I wish there was a way I could do everything all at once. Be like a little dog going woof, 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 woof. So she tells everyone in front of Ryan that this was her idea. But I read online that in Secretary's Day, uh, Andy wanted to be sure that everyone remembered it was Secretary's Day, so he sent an email, a text blast, a good old-fashioned talk blast, a snail mail, uh, a fax. So it seems like this is sort of a theme in the office. Everyone's, I don't know, I wonder whose idea it really was at first. Yeah, it's true. That, that, that's a, a, a good point of possible inspiration in the first place. Yeah. Uh, and. Moreover, it should be noted that the interest in buying Hmm. Woof was not due to it being a fabulous idea. Uh, It was from the Washington University Public Health Fund. So W-U-P-H-F, Woof, they just wanted the initials. 
And so that was really the sign to everybody that, oh, they don't even want to buy us because it's a good idea. Okay, yeah, this is it's, it's time to jump ship. So that's everything about Woof. Then we have the side story with Dwight and Angela. Do you want to start us off with that? So Dwight and Angela. So Dwight has Hay Place in the parking lot, which is essentially a an amusement park just for hay. I that's the best way I can put it. It's like a hay <laughs> fair. There's hay maze, there's hay rides which are taking place in the back of a delivery mm-hmm. truck, closed delivery truck. Very safe for kids. Um play bales, show bales, um <laughs> just hay everywhere basically. So yeah, uh it's an exhibit, I guess. So I put, there are even rolls in the hay, but not the kind that Angela wants. (laughs) She has approached him again to fulfill their contract again, but he keeps forgetting about her. He is busy with Hay Place. He uh, has other stuff on his mind, Um, but Angela thinks he should make some time for her, but he keeps on ignoring her. Whether he forgets her or ignores her, I think he intentionally ignores her. Yeah, I think it's both. He he definitely is waiting until it's most, most convenient for him. Uh, which is not what she wants. And uh, we we do find out over the course of events that this whole Hay Place thing was sort of Dwight's way of uh, rectifying childhood disappointment. Apparently, this is a family tradition uh, by his uncle Eldred. And at the end of the Hay Place ceremonies or whatever, uh, events and participation, there would be somebody who's crowned Hay King. and. Dwight tells us, I always wanted to be Hay King, but the world shines on Moe's. And so uh, at the end of the day, when he is, when it is time to crown a Hay King, and there are a few kids up on the stage waiting to be crowned, uh, he decides, you know what? None of you are going to get this. I'm going to crown myself Hay King instead. So Dwight is finally the Hay King he always wanted to be, much to everybody else's dismay. Uh, and so that's what this was all about for Dwight and why the focus was on Hay Place more than on Angela. But something interesting happens with Angela here. She meets somebody. There's a man with apparently his son. They're just hanging out. They come join up and they they hit it off. They start telling jokes to each other and laughing with each other and they really get along. And Dw- Angela maybe starts to lose interest in Dwight at that point. And it appears she really loses interest because Dwight, finally, at the end of the day, wearing his Hay King crown, by the way, goes to his and Angela's meeting place in the warehouse to finally fulfill their contract. And he finds the contract taped to the door voided. Big red void stamp on it. So it looks like this is the end of their um, sex contract. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, good for Angela, you know, because she has been trying to uh, get with Dwight for a season now through this contract. And I mean, Dwight doesn't want to be with her. It's a very one-sided kind of thing. And it was completely contractual on Dwight's part. But now she's being faced with rejection on Dwight's part. And she gets to meet somebody who actually appears interested in her for her outside of a contract. And so uh, it helps her to realize what it's like to be wanted again. And so that's why she's so quick to abandon Dwight and the contract there at the very end, which is nice for her. I'm, I'm excited for her and what this maybe entails in the future. And then a little bit of Jim stuff. Um, so he has hit a commission cap. 
which is really interesting because we remember when he and Michael were kind of vying for managership, there was no sales cap, which is what incentivized each of them to become salesmen again. Um, now they do have a sales cap. Mm-hmm. Angela says it's a new corporate policy, so which is really unfortunate for Jim because he is on a sales streak. He credits Cece because he convinced her to eat all the time. And if he can make most carrots seem better than a boob, then he can sell anything. <laughs> so he's he says he's on a streak. And now, unfortunately, he has no real reason to work. He will not make any more money this year, no matter what. So yeah. he just kind of sits there. And he approaches Gabe, who basically says, sorry, deal with it, corporate policy. And now Jim is just, he's incredibly bored. I mean, he's a guy that has to stay active. And um, Gabe isn't okay with him sitting there, distracting others. Or even just not looking busy. He wants him to fake it. He wants him to look busy. <laughs> I guess just for the sake of others. So Jim keeps busy. You want to tell him how, how he did, does that? Yeah. So he pulls up Joe Bennett's, the CEO's audiobook and audio editing software. Looks very familiar to me. Uh, and, and starts editing Joe's audiobook into first a message to Gabe. He combines words together to make it sound like she's saying his name and gets this whole message going. And then at the very end of the day, after he's edited this together, he calls Gabe on his desk phone, props up the phone and hits play on this audiobook. And here's the message. It's really funny. Now, listen here, Gabe, you're too fat. No one's going to like you if you're too fat. <laughs> I made some changes to my book. See if you like them. Now, I love reading, and I hate being interrupted. Shut up and listen, you gay bastard. (laughs) So he's insulting Gabe through Joe, which is fantastic. And then presumably, he's forcing Gabe to listen through her entire audiobook. And I would just love it if he didn't change a thing. And so Gabe is just waiting through, waiting for her to come across a change, and it just doesn't happen. And audiobooks are not short. They're like Mm -mm. eight hours sometimes, or longer, depending on the length. What? Well, and this is at five o'clock. Yeah. Jim is on his way out of the office. He's like waving at Gabe and Gabe's like, I'm on the phone. Go away. <laughs> and it's five. It's quitting time. So he gets to now listen to Joe's entire book, which does not look brief. No. It's a beautiful, wonderful, hilarious thing. It's so good. Yes. Uh, but speaking of the, the new commission cap, it's, it's a pretty major change for a company yeah. that did prioritize salesmen over all others. I mean, there was that whole episode where they were fighting over the salesmen acting like they were too high and mighty because Sabre put them on a pedestal, basically. And so this is a complete reverse from that. And it almost makes you wonder, is this a sign of mismanaged money like Dunder Mifflin Corporate fell victim to? Or are they just saving saving money by Hmm. not giving away so much money in the first place? I don't know, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, it seems like such a sudden change that especially Jim should have been aware of that they just didn't let him know is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And things that Jim does to occupy his time at work, aside from the editing of the audiobook, he uh, cleans his car, he organizes his desk, he takes a multivitamin, uh, he balances a pen on his nose, he blows raspberries in his hand. Kevin really likes that one. He thinks it's really funny. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to point out he has no desire to prank Dwight because he sees pranking Dwight as a distraction or an escape from his work. And so now he doesn't have work to escape from. So no need to prank Dwight. So 
Anyways. Yeah. Anything else from the main episode or should we go into funny moments? Let's go to the funny stuff. So the cold open. The power briefly goes out. Dwight suggests that everyone follow him to the shelter, that they will have enough food for 14 days. After that, they'll have a hard conversation. Luckily, that's there's no need. It um, comes back on quickly, and uh, it took the server out with it. So they can't get on the internet until they sign back in, essentially, to the server. So no one can remember the password. Michael suggests password. Dwight suggests 000000. When that doesn't work, he suggests 000001. Jim is not interested in going through every single number. Pam wants to know when it was set up. Maybe that will give them a hint to the password. Aaron suggests that, um, well, everyone was getting their driver's license around there. Unless my math is wrong, that puts her at around 24 years old. Uh, yeah, um, I like that. So Michael um, thinks, okay, well, let's try to remember who the IT guys were when this network was set up. So he remembers their names um, by not their names. It was Lozenge <laughs> who set up the network. We also have glasses, turban, ear hair, fatty, sorry, fatty three, <laughs> shorts, fatty two, lozenge, and fatso. So lozenge set up this one. And apparently lozenge had a bit of a crush on Pam because everyone is trying to throw out suggestions uh, about what it could have been regarding Pam. So they throw out nosy, big boobs, drama queen. Um, big boobs did not work, but big boobs with a Z did work so (laughs) lozenge had a a little crush or something yeah michael says i don't remember what the password was but i remember thinking it was funny but pam was offended and so that's when they start slinging out those possibilities big boobs try it with a z that's it okay (laughs) there it is michael when he and ryan try to get more investors he says excuse me everyone sex now that i have your attention Stanley says, you don't have our attention. Michael shouts, money. I'm listening. (laughs) And Kevin says, you had me at sex. (laughs) But Phyllis says, you have all of our attention just by screaming anything. Michael says, that's good to know. And it's just, it's this completely nonsense introduction by Michael into this like false hype by Ryan that nobody's buying into. Stanley discusses his reasons for investing in Woof. He says, yes, I have a dream, and it's not some MLK dream for equality. I want to own a decommissioned lighthouse, and I want to live at the top, and nobody knows I live there, and there's a button that I can press, and it'll launch that lighthouse into space. (laughs) And as he says, he's got, like, stars in his eyes. Like, he's so excited about this possibility. The most random thing I think we've heard Stanley (laughs) talk about, I'm like, what? I mean, he'll be alone. Is that what he's going after? Yeah, I guess. I guess. (laughs) Not only isolated in a, in a lighthouse, but isolated in space. He wants no one around. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, Stanley. When Ryan says, yeah, we only got nine days left. Andy says, I'm sorry, nine days until what? Oscar, bankruptcy? Michael says, wait, Ryan, so this could be over by the weekend? <laughs> Oscar says, how long do you think a week is? <laughs> Michael specifies, no, no, not this weekend. Next weekend. The, you know, the one that, I, I don't know, it's just poor wording. He says, we were going to go on the investor ski trip. Typically, you're not going to go on an investor ski trip until you have like a well-run business with lots of backup cash flow. And yeah. you're not at that point, Michael. So no, it's probably not going to last until the weekend, next weekend. 
a weekend. <laughs> Ryan brags about um, the success that Woof has had. He said, earlier today, I was emailing someone by the name of John Legend, which sounds really impressive. And he says, you have his email? And he goes, a lot of these guys are just Mac.com at their website, whatever. We get that guy woofing. It's all over. So I feel like he just emailed a random John Legend at Mac.com or something. Yeah, probably. Like, <laughs> and someone has that address and that's who he was messaging. Yeah. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, when, when Pam approaches Michael to tell him about Ryan taking advantage of him, <laughs> he is in the break room sorting through trash. So Pam walks in. He says, can't talk. Saving the planet. Pam says, oh, we don't recycle. Michael says, we don't. Well, why have I been separating the trash into whites and colors? <laughs> this uh, isn't laundry. laundry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then she says, no one asked you to do that. And he just throws the sack on the grass. Eight years. Eight years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is too good. Oh, that's so funny. One that's not recycling and two <laughs> that is laundry. <laughs> that is laundry. You got your, you got your sorting mixed up. After Pam has convinced Michael to sell, Michael says, you may be right. I may be crazy. Um, I'm just saying, I think I agree with your point. Pam says, yeah, but in a jokey way where you're going to start singing. Michael says, well, I thought that might might make me feel better. Pam allows it. He's like, well, am I just me a lunatic? <laughs> he goes, no. <laughs> like, I take it back. It's not it's not helping me. And Pam just, it was cute that she just knew, like, yeah, you're, you're going to start singing. And Michael just. Yeah, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> I mean, Michael, Michael and I, we do share this trait where we, we love some Billy Joel. And yeah. uh, uh, if just a quick plug, if you didn't see it over Christmas break, I posted a picture <laughs> of me wearing my Dunder Mifflin shirt and my Billy Joel hat. And just announced today, Billy Joel coming to Dallas in October. So I'm super psyched and buying tickets <laughs> next week. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Michael and I, we both love some Billy Joel. And he was definitely quoting, you may be right by Billy Joel. There you go. Dwight, uh, when he first introduces us to Hay Place, he's sifting through some hay and he says, yeah, this is the good stuff. Mattress quality. No, thank you. I do not want to sleep on a hay mattress. That just sounds awful. That sounds like the worst. (laughs) I love this moment between Creed and Jim. Jim is uh, so bored, looking for anything to do. He goes over and, and talks to Creed. Creed says, hey, kid, I hear you're looking for work. Jim says, talk to me. Creed says, how far can you reach those lovely long arms of yours? So Jim reaches out as far as he can go. Creed, ah, put him down. How long can you hold that pretty little breath of yours? <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, not sure what he has in mind for Jim, but he's tall and can hold his breath. So that's where we're at with that. <laughs> Dwight, tells, Dwight tells one of the first customers at Hay Place, the petting zoo closes at two and the goat roast is at three. <laughs> I have this horrible suspicion that those two things are connected. Yeah. Yeah. There's a timeline there. (laughs) Kevin gets stuck in the hay maze for most of the episode. He is last seen sprinting around and screaming for help. Completely. It's kind of sad. It it is. (laughs) Um, Learned a trick. If you're ever stuck in a maze, put your hand on a wall and keep walking. (laughs) It'll take a long time, but you will get out. Eventually. Yeah. That sounds like a good plan. Also, Kevin, earlier in the episode, it's when Jim first finds out about the commission cap. He's gone to Kevin to find out what his commission on his latest sale is going to be. Kevin says, I entered the sale. or Yeah, I entered the sale and I hit enter. And I said, dun, 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 
I, I'm pretty sure I timed it right. <laughs> it, he's got this whole process. I, I do this, I do this, I da 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 da, and oh, it's still wrong. And he ties it a couple of times too. <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> Maybe the last one for me in the second time. Andy is trying to take a a poll on selling woof.com. Um, he says all those in favor of selling say aye. Everyone says aye. Michael says aye. Do not agree to sell, which is to say nay. <laughs> Daryl says, what is wrong with you? What happened to you in high school? <laughs> uh, That's a fair question. My last one, when Jim approaches Gabe about the sales cap or the commission cap, Gabe says, when you're dealing with a large organization, sometimes you have to put up with policies you don't like. I wish my gym didn't allow full nudity in the locker room. Seeing these old guys walking around naked feels almost passive aggressive, but I deal with it because it's policy. See what I mean? No, I do not see what you mean, Gabe. Those are two very different situations. And so it doesn't really apply here. And (laughs) Jim agrees. Yeah. Plus you can like leave your gym if it's not for you. Mm -hmm. Jobs are, I mean, you can leave your job, but that's, it's different. (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit of a hotter commodity. Yeah. So some deleted scenes. We get quite a few for this episode. First, Ryan enters Michael's office to discuss Woof.com. Michael says, as long as it's about being a billionaire. Ryan says, on your way, man, on your way. Michael says, I'm a millionaire? (laughs) Ryan says, on your way. (laughs) (laughs) And Michael just screams excitedly, like, ah! I'm getting there! Well, (laughs) nah. Ryan has a talking head uh, telling us a little bit more about Woof uh, and the timeline of things. Remember, we first learned about Woof Back at the end of season six, uh, the season six finale whist- or whistleblower, uh, and we heard it mentioned in the season seven opener, and now he says, okay, so what, the first time I talked about Wolf, it was a prototype. We launched the beta three months ago, so time has passed uh, with Wolf. He says it's going to be huge, and he says, your little documentary has finally found its star. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Seven years into the documentary. They have finally found the star. The fact that they're still filming should tell you that it is fine without woof. Yeah. Well, I guess it'd only be about five years because it started in 05 and here we are. Yeah. This would be late 2010. Um, Daryl has a talking head about investing with Ryan. He says, why would I invest with Ryan? Well, it's a really good idea. Aggregators are one of the few things that produce revenue. Oh, and that the internet has a history of rewarding little annoying white boys. So all the ingredients are there. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah. So as I said earlier, Andy wasn't one of the initial invest- investors, but he does pop up as an investor later in the episode. In the deleted scenes, we get the behind the scenes of Andy investing. So he's actually pressured into it by Michael. Michael says, I need to talk to you in my office about work stuff. And once he's in there, Ryan's in there too. He says, I brought you in here under false pretenses. And that's actually about Wolf. And so he then tries to persuade Andy. He says, you'll be richer than your parents ever were. You'll be able to burn down the Bernard estate and laugh while they watch helplessly. And he says, I'd never do that because I love my family. Michael says, oh, well, I misread that situation. He says, okay, (laughs) how about this? How would you like to be able to write each member of your family a check for $5 million? They said you'd never amount to anything. And Andy says, well, they've always been supportive of me in their own way. Says, okay. What about the offer from Washington University? 
what if the next offer came from Cornell? Didn't they laugh you off campus? So he's literally like trying to shame Andy into investing so he can get back at the people who've wronged him in his life is the way he started trying to spin this. He says, wouldn't you rather laugh at Cornell rather than them laugh at you? Andy finally gives in at that point. He says, okay, fine, I'm in. And so that's when Andy becomes an investor for Wolf. On a totally different note, a rather well-endowed woman <laughs> comes to the Hay Place looking for Dwight. She'll be playing the role of Buxom Mother Harvest. She represents uh, fecundancy and fertility in the season, and uh, she will charge $3 a photo. Um, Dwight's assistant, Nate, hits on the girl, but Dwight warns that Hay Place romances never last. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting uh, Hay Place was a family thing, right? So I would hope that the relationships right. wouldn't last. <laughs> yeah, and then had this been left in the episode, it'd be interesting. I mean, they were together at some point before it was cut. So I wonder if that's any sort of foreshadow or premonition mm. about this romance between Angela and the man she met at uh, Hay Place. But mm. I mean, it was cut. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, right. Dwight, after he has crowned himself Hay King, uh, is eating a goat leg, I assume, because of the goat huh. roast that was at three. I was thinking turkey leg, but that makes more sense. Yeah, it's also <laughs> it's just huge. Just a, so. a giant leg of a goat in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angela approaches him and asks if they're going to do this. And so this would be after she met the other man, but before they share contact info with each other at the end. Um, Nate at first tries to stop her from even talking to Dwight. He says, women aren't allowed to talk to the Hay King directly. Okay. And Dwight says, okay, come on. It's okay. You can talk to me. She says she, she still wants to do this thing. Dwight says, okay, go get cleaned up and get ready. And I will meet you, meet with you when this winds down. And then he says, be gone woman. And <laughs> she's obviously not interested at this point anymore. She's been scorned and burned a few times too many in this episode. So she leaves. And that's when she gets that contact information with the man she met. And I mean, I guess it really was the last straw with Dwight. Mm, boo. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Dwight in that scene just reminds me so much of like a petulant toddler. He's wearing his Hay King crown and he's gnawing on his giant meat leg thing. And he's demanding more, demanding drink. more ale. Yeah. And he's just like, I don't know. He's just so bossy. Um, Toby is Skyping with his daughter. I think this is the first time we've seen her since bringing her daughter to work day in season two. She's mm -hmm. gotten big. Um, and she has built a birdhouse. Toby says that her mom doesn't know how to build birdhouses. Who did she build one with? Sasha says that Jason helped. Right as Sasha is about to explain who Jason is, Michael comes over and shuts down Toby's laptop. We hear, um, or rather all we hear from Sasha is, mommy says not to talk about him. Mm -hmm. Um... Yikes. And you just see Toby's face completely fall there. And uh, Michael is trying to get like a counseling session from Toby, which is interesting in itself. Mm -hmm. uh, he says, you know, I'm, what, I'm being used by Ryan. Toby asks, how does that make you feel? Michael says, it makes me feel like a used car. <laughs> and it devolves into talk into about human-like race cars and Herbie and whether he can get sued about making his own version of that movie if they can't prove that he'd seen the movie before. And Toby, it gets real again. Toby says, you know, you idealized Ryan when he first got here. And Michael says, no, just the opposite. I thought he was the coolest kid I ever saw. <laughs> he doesn't know what idealizes mean. 
Toby says, uh, well, now that you know him better, maybe you feel capable of handling the situation. Michael turns out against him, even though it was encouraging words. He says, well, maybe you should handle your own situation now that you know Jason is banging your wife. <laughs> and he just leaves a depressed Toby behind. I think that that counseling session, I, I wonder what you think, is um, maybe a continuation of Michael's counseling from episode two. Yeah, maybe. Maybe from, they've just um, spread it out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like they haven't finished up their, their required counseling yet. I don't know. Yeah, because they, they restarted it there at the end since Michael screwed over his own paperwork. Mm-hmm. So I wonder. Um, we see another clip of Kevin in the maze sitting distraught, still lost. He says, don't give up, man. I'm not going to die in here. <laughs> Let me pan out to see him miserably failing to leave the maze. Yeah. He's just running in a circle around <laughs> one, like, bail. <laughs> And the last deleted scene is oh. not safe for this podcast. No. <laughs> so Dwight reads a poem he wrote called Mother Earth, and it is too lewd for us to read on the show. <laughs> very um, graphic without being specific, but it's also very specific somehow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the onlookers, some of them leave with their kids. Some of them just shake their heads in disgust as he reads it. And so I'm just going to charge everybody who's interested in reading that to go find it yourself. If you look in the show notes, I've actually already included a link to that specific speech so you can read it. Uh, but yeah, not safe for this podcast. So <laughs> So I initially started with a different discussion topic, but I, I think I'm going to change it too. I, I have a specific answer for this. Yours is probably the same, but I just think we should talk about it. What eventually made Ryan sell Woof? Hmm. I think that's a good question. Um, I don't know if it is fear of personal failure, which I think is the one I'm leaning more towards, or, or I guess I have a third option, or fear of retaliation from everybody who's not Michael, or the the last and I think maybe least likely, unfortunately, is the fear of disappointing Michael. I think there might be a little bit of a mix of all three, but I do think that the ultimate decider for him is fear of personal failure. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, surprisingly, it's closest to your last one. Um, disappointing Michael. Michael. But I don't think it's disappointment as much as it is. He realizes that Michael trusts him implicitly. and no one else does and it's like a no one else trust me b michael called me out said i was a bad friend a bad you know i don't know selfish greedy um but he thinks i am smart and can do this but like no one else can think it and if michael if if michael's the only person that thinks that can that be true? <laughs> mm -hmm. I just think it's it's a bit of a, I guess it is closest actually to um, fear of self failure because he he's like I don't know that I can actually do this because Michael is the only person that believes in me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I I I think it's nice to maybe just pretend that Ryan is most interested. Well to pretend that Ryan does have a moment where he is appreciative to Michael and is thankful for his support, but also understands that everybody else has a point too. 
And so it's not a completely selfish decision to finally sell the company, but it is a combination of all factors where he is trying to not disappoint Michael after he's put all his faith in him and also trying to avoid retaliation from the others. So I, I think yeah. uh, it's, it is a little bit of all of those. Yeah. Okay, going into our next episode, we have China. It aired on December 2nd of 2010, was directed by Charles McDougall, and written by Halstead Sullivan and Warren Lieberstein. Michael went to the dentist and made a big mistake. He read an article in a magazine about China, and boy, oh boy, is he panicked. He used to think that the U.S. was the best at everything, and upon learning that China is also a powerful country, he became very nervous. Meanwhile, everyone suffers from Dwight's money-saving tactics in the office building, and Pam threatens to move Dunder Mifflin out of the building. So Michael enters the office very frustrated. He looks around, picks up several things off of desks, and upon realizing that most, if not all, were made in China, um, he, he's just fearing for China's dominance. He's freaking out about it. He's getting others in the office freaking out about it. Oscar tries to calm him down, and he says, you know, everything you're saying is not correct. He, he references a figure about the, the size of cities. I think it's number of cities in the country uh, with more than a million people. And he says, China has 56, I think, and the U.S. only has nine. Oscar says, no, that's actually a projection of 15 years from now. Ryan says no, or Michael says no, that's right now. So everybody else in the office is privy to this discussion. Ryan looks it up and finds out that Michael, not Oscar, was right. And so based on this one thing, everybody jokes that Michael is now the smartest guy in the office, not Oscar. And Michael's ecstatic, but Oscar is a little concerned. He, he's not the biggest fan of not being the smartest, office, smartest person in the office anymore. And everyone's kind of teasing Oscar about this. Um, you know, hey, I have a question. Hey, Oscar, can you move out of the way so I can talk to Michael? <laughs> you know, like they're just kind of messing with him and bugging him. And he does not like that. And he subtly challenges Michael. He says he'd love to, quote, talk more about what they were talking about earlier regarding China. Michael agrees, not knowing what he's getting into. Um, Jim warns him that this is very likely retaliation. Oscar has fueled up with facts and, um, Michael better be prepared when he walks into this battle because Oscar's going to bring it. Yeah. Michael says, uh, I need to learn everything there is to know about China to be safe. I should learn everything about everything, but I just don't have the time. <laughs> and so instead I will learn blah, blah, blah. I think I have that in funny moments. So we'll go over that later. But, uh, it's a showdown is what this is that Oscar has orchestrated. And so Michael is trying to preserve his dignity and it just does not go over well. Um, he does well for a while. He puts up a good fight with more information about China, uh, maintains half of the conversation for a bit, but then Oscar does eventually leave him without a response. And just as Jim and Andy predicted, he pays for the coffee and starts to leave. But then Michael has, I guess you could call it a revelation. <laughs> so we're going to act this out. Wait, you forgetting something? What? This chat. Two men, one white, one Latina, a boss, and a money cruncher. I could fire you. This is Aaron. Fire him. Show no mercy. Here we are. Oscar, what's your point? My point is that as long as people like you and me don't stop talking, nobody could stop the USA. And then I'll, and he continues. I'll continue on with Michael. Uh, I am talking about freedom, about choice, 
America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. You know, a lot of people say if you dig long enough and hard enough, you will get to China. And that may be, do- may be true. But what they don't tell you is that if you dig long enough and hard enough in a conversation, you get to a friend. So here is the conversation. That's not... Raise your cups on high. <laughs> Case closed. That wasn't what we were just... That wasn't the whole... <laughs> and Oscar is just... Uh, Completely bewildered. Because it mostly makes no sense and doesn't have to do with what they were talking about at all. But darn it, Michael thinks he won, and that's important to him. Right. So Oscar obviously won this conversation. Everybody who's uh, spectating knows this. But when Michael has this revelation and then ends it with thinking that he won, Oscar can't really like change Michael's mind. Michael thinks, oh, I, I clearly uh, I-, I walked away with the gold medal on this one. Uh, so what's nice about this is that Oscar's victory was about establishing dominance over Michael and reclaiming his title as the smartest guy in the office. Michael's, quote, victory (laughs) was about their freedom to have this conversation, about how despite their differences in ethnicity and in power, they're able to be friends, they're able to express ideas and have conversations like these. And so for Michael, his victory wasn't about putting Oscar down, like Oscar's victory was about putting Michael down. And that sort of maybe contributes to Oscar's bewilderment. Like, I, I, I won, but Michael's not devastated? Like, I'm confused? <laughs> He's supposed to be devastated. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, um, Michael, I, I like his revelation, but it, it, it does not have any uh, relevance to anything else they were talking about. It's just a, it's a nice moment is all it is. So they're both now convinced that they are, again, the smartest man in the office. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess it's happy. Everyone's a winner, but Oscar's a little confused. Dwight, as I mentioned, is, so as a reminder, he now owns the office building. Um, he is on a mission to cut costs. He has set up a concession stand. He has set up a concession stand in the lobby, which is where Michael and and Oscar meet. That charges $8 for one muffin. Very expensive. Um, Motion detection lights in the office, which doesn't work so well in a sedentary office setting where no one moves. Uh, Single ply toilet paper, which didn't know that existed. Well, it doesn't. He has to unspool it um, to get um, single ply. Half a ply. To make the rolls last longer. Half ply. Sorry. Half ply. Yes. Even worse. So Pam, as the office administrator, wants to talk to him about the cutbacks, and Dwight is insistent that uh, she set up an appointment with him, the building owner, not him, the salesman, because when he's at his desk, he's a paper salesman. So she calls Nate to set up an appointment, and Dwight tells Nate that he's too busy to meet. Um, he's not interested in, in changing anything, uh, or going back, rather, to what used to be. He is set on these awful um, changes. He, he calls it a war between the landlord and the tenant. And when Pam tries to sort of get him to sympathize, saying, these are your friends. These are people you've worked with for years. He just sort of snubs his nose in her face, saying, you know, I don't really care. I'm, I'm working on saving money, which is sad because we've seen that Dwight and Pam are friends. We've seen it very recently, as recently as viewing party. He admits that they're friends. He, he just says, yeah, but you, worried my, you married my worst enemy. But he considers him and Pam to be friends. 
but here he's not being a good friend to her or to anybody else. And Pam does go out. She finds an alternative office space, comes back, shows pictures. Everybody's excited, except for Dwight, obviously. And so he goes out with Nate. I'm so glad we get more Nate (laughs) to investigate this supposed new office space and discovers that it doesn't exist. Pam made it up to get what she wanted. And he decides he's going to call her bluff and expose her. But then we come across a conversation between Pam and Jim. Yeah. So she tells Jim that she lied about the new building. This is private. They're in the stairwell. Um, she admits that she lied to him about the, about the new potential office building. She just doesn't want to fail at this. She doesn't want to fail at being an office administrator like she failed at art school or at sales. Jim tries to reassure her that, well, you didn't fail. She says, well, I'm not either of those things. I did fail. So following that, Nate approaches Pam in the office and drops off a book. He sneaks out. Um, what he dropped off was some like handbook or law book or something regarding managing a workplace. So Pam flips through it and informs Dwight that he's breaking the law. Temperatures must be kept at a comfortable level and adequate lighting must be provided. Um, Dwight concedes, I underestimated you, and he promises to go back. But what we learn is that Dwight, um, through a talking head, he confesses that he heard Pam confess to Jim. We see him provide Nate with the book and he's being very compassionate Um, and he's pleased when Pam is pleased and he's saying in this talking head they say the best vampires don't bleed their victims dry but they give them the strength so that they can bounce back only to be fed on again I spared Pam and I may feast off her profits for years to come I let Pam win I was not motivated by compassion I have no compassion make sure you got that not motivated by compassion (laughs) and we see Pam and Jim like smiling and hugging and getting in their car and going home. And um, Dwight is just pleased by that. He, he has such friendly feelings for Pam that he's lying. He's completely motivated by compassion when it comes to her. He's got Mm -hmm. a bit of a soft spot. Yeah. When he overhears the conversation in the stairwell between Pam and Jim, he's, he looks just as on the point of tears as she does. Uh, So I, I love that he chose his friendship with Pam over his pride as a landlord. Mm-hmm. That's great for him. And real quick on Pam and her perceived failure, I just want to say, people, we have different phases of life. You're not locked into doing one thing as long as you live. Interests change, circumstances change, life goes on, right? Yep. Pam not being an artist or a salesperson just means she moved on from one phase of life to another, and that doesn't make her less successful than anybody else. So pursue what makes yep. you happy. Show confidence in yourself. Boom. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I was I I, I felt so bad for Pam. It's like, well, yeah, those things didn't work out, but that doesn't make you a failure. You just moved on to something else. It's a good lesson for everybody. There was one just small C plot um regarding Andy texting Daryl too much, and Daryl is sick of it. (laughs) Andy even texts him during conversations that they're both a part of. Like, are you watching this during the China debate? Daryl says, yeah, I'm right here. <laughs> Finally, Daryl's had enough. He texts, uh, or Andy texts Daryl, Megan Fox, question mark. And he's like, what, what, why are you texting me this? What, this isn't important. Daryl tells Andy that he's one bad text away from getting blocked. Andy says, yeah, but one, I'm, I'm one good text away from getting high five. <laughs> and uh, they accept these terms. The next text will determine everything. So at the end of the episode, 
and you text Daryl, come to parking lot, crazy pigeon action. <laughs> At first, Daryl's kind of annoyed um, and he comes downstairs and he laughs. He sees two pigeons eating an ice cream cone covered in ice cream and he high fives Andy. Very nice. I love he their friendship. It's weird and good. Yeah, it, it's it's equal. Even if mm-hmm. Daryl is sometimes annoyed by Andy and it's sort of a result of back in season six, the cover up when Daryl was trying to mess with Andy about the printers catching on fire. Uh, Mm -hmm. They sort of came out of that as friends and we just have that, they have that nice back and forth where every once in a while they have a scene together uh, with advice or just quirky things like this. It's really nice. I I like their friendship. Uh, Last thing I want to mention before we get to the funny stuff is a plus story continuation from the previous episode we see Jim, without drawing any attention to this, uh, we see Jim continuing his lack of work ethic due to the commission cap. He admits that he's been playing zombie soccer for the two hours that Pam was gone. And we also see him making his own giant rubber band ball. Hmm. So yeah. the, there, we don't see Jim doing any actual work. He's continuing his streak of not doing work now that he has no incentive to sell. So A plus to the writer's and producers yeah. for continuing that it, without drawing attention to it. Yeah. There was no plot point. They just did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to do the cold open. Yeah. So cold open. Dwight is using his bare feet to do things at his desk. He says, you know, Jim, all it takes is 20 minutes a day of only using your feet to get the peta dexterity of a chimp. And he tries sharpening his pencil and pushes the sharpener onto Pam's desk. And then he tries to type Pam an apology letter. And it's just slow and painful and not working well for him. Jim shows up with a cup of coffee for Dwight. Takes a sip of his own cup and says, thank you, hands. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. And Dwight, ever prideful, takes the cup of coffee in his toes and does his very best attempt to try and maneuver it towards his face. Jim says, it's okay. You don't have to do this. It's okay to be wrong, Dwight. But... Dwight doesn't relent, and instead he lifts the coffee and pours the hot coffee all over himself. Jim says, A for effort, and high fives Dwight's drenched barefoot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mistaken, chimps have, like, the thumb on their feet as well. Mm -hmm. So their hands on their feet, so they can do things with their feet. Um, We do not have that luxury, so. (laughs) Stanley is... Also displeased about the half-plied toilet paper, he asks, what's up with it? Dwight says, I'm sorry, is that not good enough for your anus? Don't get me started on how coddled the modern anus is. <laughs> coddled. Coddled. And, um, I, yeah, yep. Don't, let's not get him started, because I don't really want to know what he knows about that. <laughs> Michael says, my whole life I believed that America was number one. That was the saying. Not America's number two. England is number two. China should be like eight. (laughs) (laughs) Arbitrary rankings. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm curious to know what his rankings about that are. As you said, I'm so glad we have Nate. He's so wonderful. He's just just such a pure soul. He's very pure and he's very... I don't know. He tries so hard. Um, (laughs) So he is... He's Dwight's assistant. Um... And Pam calls Nate to schedule an appointment with Dwight, who is sitting directly across from her. And Nate says, let me put you on hold for one eensy sec. Pam says, sure. Um, So Dwight answers the phone. Nate asks Dwight if he's available. He says no. 
tell her I'm busy. So Nate comes back to Pam with, uh, hey, Pam, Dwight's being questioned by the police in connection with a string of dog nappings that ha-. <laughs> And Pam cuts him off and hangs up. But he's so committed and he tries so hard and I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, just on the subject of Nate, he when he drops off the book, giving Pam the, the codes that she needs to put Dwight down, uh, he says, I wasn't here. Pam says, what? He says, I wasn't here. It's a pretty common saying. You might want to log it away for future use. <laughs> she just thanks. thinks, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look it up. Also speaking of pure souls, I feel like people have mixed opinions about Erin. I love her. I think she is so funny. I agree. So funny. She's like, oh my God. Michael says, what? She says, according to the internet, the tallest man in the world is Chinese. <laughs> Michael says, oh, so much for keeping our secrets up high. <laughs> <laughs> and She's shocked. And she also says, what if we all get together and help? So context, Michael has asked everybody for one big idea because that's what America is built on is big ideas. And that's how they're going to beat China. And so everybody's giving ideas or rather mostly Kevin's given ideas. Aaron says, what if we all got together and help each other and hire a new guy and then we all kill him? But first we take out like a $100,000 life insurance policy. I bet you guys like that idea, don't you? And she, we cut to a talking head. She says, I think that's what they're doing to me. I can't prove it, but I wanted to see their faces when I said it. I learned nothing. <laughs> and we cut back to the scene. And Michael's response to that is, I don't know what the F that was. <laughs> She's so weird. I love this one too. So um, Pam is discussing leaving the building. And she says, in three months, we can leave the lease. Uh, check it. If you don't undo all the changes you've made, we're moving. Hey, guys, can I show you some pictures of the new building? She goes over to Andy, and Andy's looking on his computer. Oh, my gosh, she's so cute. She looks just like both of you. <laughs> Pam says, they're not of CC. He goes, oh, cool. <laughs> Suddenly interested after learning it's <laughs> not the have? baby. Uh, let's see. So as they're preparing Michael with information to fare against Oscar in the showdown, he is answering every trivia question incorrectly or passing on many of them as well. Andy says, damn it, Michael, you are moments away from the smackdown of your life. If you don't know something, steer the conversation back to something you do know. Michael says, I could talk about boobs. I bet he knows nothing about boobs. <laughs> Jim says, what do you know about boobs? And it's just silence. <laughs> Jim is kind of coaching Michael, as you said. Um, he says, He's trying to set you up, Michael. Haven't you noticed that I don't bring up the Tour de France around Oscar? Michael kind of pauses and says, yes, <laughs> I have noticed. <laughs> oh, that's such a good joke. <laughs> so good. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't mention or bring up the Tour de France with most people. but Yeah, but I've noticed that you don't talk about the Tour de France. <laughs> when... Nate and Dwight go investigate to see about this building that Pam has found. Dwight says, there's no building. This could only mean one thing. And Nate says, ah, yes, buildings underground. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so uh, as they're about to leave that scene, Dwight has planned, is, like I said, is planning to expose Pam. And they, he just starts going, Pam, 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 Pam. And Nate starts joining in. They're both saying, Pam. Out of coincidence, at the same moment, a woman approaches the car window carrying groceries because her name happens to be Pam. It's a funny coincidence. They laugh it off. They tell her, oh, we have a coworker with the same name. 
He asks, oh, you're not a liar too, are you? Kind of playful, jokefully. She says, I've been known to bend the truth. He gets mad. He says, damn it, Pam, get out right now. Leave it. I mean it. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and so she leaves. And he turns to Nate and says, I can't wait to do to Pam what I just did to Pam. <laughs> okay, Dwight. We should mention that um, what Michael needs to learn to uh, talk to Oscar. Mm. As he said, he says, I need to learn everything about China. To be safe, I should learn everything about everything, but I don't have time. Okay, I'll just learn about China and science and geography and math and literary. <laughs> Jim says, no politics? He goes, I'm pretty good on politics. California is bankrupt and California, California. California, I can't California. Do. There we go. Thank California you. California is bankrupt. I think mine's better than his is, but... Anyways. That's <laughs> fair. Mine's worse than both, so it's fine. But he does the Schwarzenegger voice, so... He's he's pretty good on on politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so Pam and Dwight are facing off in Dwight's business office for the the building, and she's threatened to move. And Dwight says, "You don't want to move. Moving is one of the most stressful things you can do in life. You'll probably just take it out on your kid. Jim will turn to the drink. The family will fall apart. And twenty five years from now, Cece will become world famous for stripping." <laughs> Pam says, "That's a sad story. I have another one." We move, the other tenants follow, the bank takes the building, takes your farm, takes your car, and beats the crap out of you. Penniless, you die, and my daughter Cece dances on your grave, fully clothed. <laughs> and just the icing on the cake is that at that moment, the light sensor activates the, uh, makes the lights turn off because there hasn't been enough sufficient movement for the lights to stay on. And so they continue their stare down while just waving one arm <laughs> until the lights come back on. Okay, maybe one more for me. Just. Yeah, because um, it's a Creed one, and we've always got to mention when Creed speaks. Um, Dwight is speaking to Pam. He says, parlay, five... He says, parlay, my office, five minutes. Pam says, parlay? Creed says, pirate code, he wants to meet. Pam, so everyone here knows pirate code? Creed admits, I can understand it, but I can't speak it. <laughs> <laughs> I have several left, but I'm going to try and get through them really, really fast and rapid fire. Uh, because Do this it. was a funny episode. It was. Um, I know, we're just like running <laughs> Uh Dwight says to Stanley, Stanley, as a fellow Dunder Mifflin employee, I feel for you. But like you, I am completely powerless to the whims of the new building owner. Jim, which is you? Dwight says, which is you is not a sentence. Jim thinks, I disagree with. <laughs> Andy, at the beginning of the episode, orders something from Hank at the, the cafe Dwight has installed in the main entrance. He says, I would like a mouffin du blueberry, pour favor. <laughs> so he's combining <laughs> two languages there. Uh, probably just forgot how to say thank you in, or please in French. And blueberry. And blueberry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. And probably muffin, too. And <laughs> mouffin? <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure on that I don't one. Know. Uh, Michael leaves his office and he says, we're going to put our best minds on it in regards to America beating China. And this is, it's, I mentioned this because it's something I hadn't noticed before, but the camera zooms in on Andy and I had to watch it a couple of times to figure out what was happening. Andy has a stapler in one hand and then like a stress ball or something in his other hand. And he's making them talk. It's like a, a quick shot, hmm. but he, we're Michael, as Michael was saying, we're going to put our best minds on it. We get a shot of Andy playing with his, to uh, with, office supplies on his desk like they're toys hmm. andy decides he's going to give the speech to rocky from mickey 
in Rocky Two to Michael. It was very confusing, but I hope you followed. And so he's <laughs> he's doing Burgess Meredith's accent and everything. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Michael interrupts and says, "How long is this going to take?" And he says, "I'm like a quarter of the way through." Michael says, "Will it be worth it?" And he pauses and says, "No." And so that's the end of that. <laughs> okay, I'll stop because it's not going to be worth it. So why not? At least he's aware. <laughs> okay, and I'll, I'll force myself for this to be the last one. <laughs> um, Daryl, uh, talking about Andy, who is texting him too much, has a talking head. He says, there was a time when the only people who texted you were people you wanted to text you. Girls. And they'd all say the same thing. I'm coming over, baby. And I would text back, B-T-B. Bring that booty. <laughs> <laughs> okay daryl oh every time i get a glimpse into daryl's dating life is always really funny yeah daryl is such a an interesting personality uh because he's like the super musician kind of guy he's interested in musical theater and understands musical theater and yet he he also has this side where he's like trying to be a sort of a player kind of thing mm-hmm. he's really interesting so we got just a few deleted scenes for this episode. Um, we got an extension of Dwight's, this isn't just an office, this is a home fake speech, mocking speech. Um, he says, and no amount of fiscal savings is worth me jeopardizing my relationship with Meredith. Pam says, you know what, Dwight, I think that's sad. There's a lot more to life than chasing pennies. Dwight mocks her for caring more about people than about business. He looks at Jim for encouragement. Um, he says, I'm on a roll here, sarcasm-wise. Jim says, do you really think I'm going to bro out with you on this? <laughs> like, uh, not so much. Uh, Nate comes in and is very polite to Pam. He says, hey, can I get under your desk to switch out a new energy saving surge protector for the old non-energy saving surge protector? She lets him. He does it, leaves, says, it's all been taken care of. You can get back to your important business. I won't bother you anymore. He's very just like <laughs> honest and polite and apologetic. He's a sweet guy. He's so sweet. I, he's so weird. And I just, I want him in every episode. <laughs> I love that actor. He's, he's also in Better Call Saul. Um, oh, is yeah. he? I haven't yeah, watched Yeah, he's in a season yet. of Better Call Saul. And uh, I was actually, I'm rewatching New Girl right now. And I just came mm-hmm. across an episode where he's a new girl. So. See, I, I didn't watch New Girl religiously, so I'm, I can't remember where he was. Yeah. But um. Another deleted scene, Jim gives Pam a hard time about borrowing his camera without asking. She borrowed it to take the pictures for the uh, new office, but she didn't also because it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah, so she borrows the camera, a Jim talking head. Hey, Jim, can I use your camera? That's all. What's that, like five words? Add a please, not that hard. She just always changes the settings. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess even between married people, ask. Yeah. Uh, Pam says you know if dwight doesn't undo the changes they're moving and aaron speaks up in the deleted scene and says moving not again in a talking head as a kid my foster family moved all the time one summer we moved into a tent in the woods for a week and then another summer we moved into a tent in a different woods for another week every summer and we had to live on basically nothing but crackers and marshmallows and chocolate bars we had to build a fire just to keep warm yeah that's not moving Aaron. that is called <laughs> camping and it's considered a luxury yeah, it's, people it's a fun enjoy thing. that <laughs> s'mores people, are tasty people like that goodness <laughs> we get an extended uh i think last one it's an extended um scene with michael and oscar and his 
victory. Yeah. Michael's <laughs> apparent victory. Um, he talks about two men, two average extraordinary men putting their heads together and talking about the world over a good old cup of joe. And really, there's just like a bunch more America freedom uh, talk. Like it's it's all nonsense again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oscar expresses his concern that like, no, no, I, I pay for the coffee. It's over. You can't change your position. Like I sealed the deal. I paid for the coffee. That's I won. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> um, he doesn't know how to deal with tactics. Yeah, like he says, that, how could he, he possibly think he won? Uh, my <laughs> yeah. favorite part of Michael's extended speech is when he says, America, I don't think you need to worry because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. You win anyway, because just in the choice, you have already won. (laughs) And he says, that, my friend, is your victory. And all we have to fear are the terrorists. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it kind of sounds like um, if you've had a computer write a like debate speech from a politician, it's just like, American words that don't make sense when put together. It's like America's freedom and responsibility and uh, like, you're like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, that's Michael's argument. Okay. For a discussion topic, um, I, I came up with a new one while we were talking. Uh, Great. So we both did that today. <laughs> is it fair that Oscar tried to set Michael up for failure the way he did? The reason I ask if it's fair is because we saw Oscar sort of being the butt of the joke after Michael was right about this one smart thing, the way Kelly put it. It was a really smart thing to be right about. So, I mean, is it fair that Oscar tried to reassert his dominance as the smartest person? Or was it still not justified to the extent he went to humiliate Michael? Does that make sense? Yeah. I think for me, the problem really is that there was an audience. Mm -hmm. I think if they were just having like a debate or a discussion or a debate about China, that would be fine. But I think it was his attitude going into it, which was, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove that I know more about this than you do rather than a friendly discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, Michael also went into it with that same mindset. He, he, didn't succeed in proving Oscar wrong, but I think he went into it with the same attitude. So I would have to say if it wasn't fair, at least it was equal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I think I wouldn't say Oscar was justified in trying to beat down on Michael the way he does. Uh, though I understand him feeling like the butt of the joke and not liking it and wanting to turn that around on itself you know Mm -hmm. like sometimes it just sucks to be the butt of the joke even if it's kind of lighthearted the way it is uh he's used to being perceived one way and now it's joking people are joking with him that it's another way and so i get it but i I think he does try and push it a little bit too far and again like you said the fact that there's an audience doesn't really help it makes it worse yeah well that is the end of our official 73rd episode of an american workplace you can contact us on facebook.com slash workplacepod or at workplacepod on Twitter. You can rate, review, and subscribe if you care to on Apple Podcasts. We haven't gotten a new review in a long time, so we would love some new 2019 reviews. You can email feedback and ideas to workplacepod at gmail.com. 
Don't forget our new voicemail line, 93-PRETZ-DAY, P-R-E-T-Z-D-A-Y. Um, again, yeah, leave us a message, um, short and sweet, if you want to be featured. Otherwise, say hi, talk about upcoming episodes, ask questions. It's pretty much free game. You can find me on Twitter at ktlady623 or at facebook.com slash katie.white. And the best place to find me is at chadadada on Twitter. That is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Also, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And my podcast, Cinescope. You can find that where, Cinesc- where, where podcasts can be found and at thecinescopepodcast.com. And all show notes and contact information can be found at workplacepodcast.com for this show. If you want a shout out and more of an American Workplace each week, including access to our discussion outline and notes, a logo sticker, bonus episodes, and live streams, check out our Patreon page and pick the support level you think is worth it to you at patreon.com slash workplacepod. We do have a new Patreon to mention today. Tyler, thank you so much, Tyler, for uh, supporting us and supporting this podcast. You help us get our special features and our, our bonus content out there. So we appreciate all of our Patreon support. And we will have more bonus episodes for our patron supporters coming very soon. Uh, we're still getting back in the swing of things after the new year. So hopefully in the next week or two, we'll start rolling those out again. And that is all for this week. Thank you for joining us to watch one of our favorite shows, The Office, here on episode 73 of An American Workplace. Make sure to join us in episode 74 for our discussion on the next episode of season seven, Classy Christmas. Bye. Bye. Bye.